You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Oh boy. Okay, I don't even know what time of morning it is. This is Wednesday morning, November 9th. I have not slept the entire night. It's probably a mistake to put this out now, but I know a lot of you are, you know, looking for some guidance, looking for some thoughts. Certainly a lot of unexpected events took place last night. Or is it even last night? I can't even remember. I'm actually here in a hotel in 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 DC on Capitol Hill, so I'm not in my bunker. Lots of noise from the D.C. street, so I apologize if the audio is kind of funny today, but hopefully this will come across fine. Um, I I don't know where to begin, and this is going to take a long time to dissect. Uh, I already have a seminal piece coming out on where we go from here. And, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, I just want to go through an overview of what I think did happen based on the data what it means, what the opportunities are, what are the pitfalls, um, you know, and and how we maintain our principles while harnessing the reality and the opportunities that are presented to us. Obviously, it's no secret that I didn't want to get into the horse race last last week, but I said I still saw, despite the tightening of the race, I still saw um, Hillary winning narrowly. Um, so this is unexpected for me. Um, I will say that as of this recording, the the popular vote is roughly even. So it's funny the exit polling. I'm so, not the exit polling. I'm sorry. The election polling was off by about three to three and a half points in the Romney Obama race of 2012. Obama overperformed nationally by about three points. Some states by three four points. So that's kind of what happened here. You know, the RCP national average had Trump down three, and it looks like it's about even. And then in in individual states, he overperformed. You know, in Florida, North Carolina, maybe one two one two points in Florida, a little bit more in North Carolina, um, and then obviously Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin being the big surprise there with the low black turnout in conjunction with record high white working class turnout. So you know what what exactly happened? What didn't happen? I just want to first. Speak to the morality of this. Again, the conscience, conservative conscience. Just to let you all know, I'm not changing. We're not changing who we are. We're always going to be the same. And by the way, I, I appreciate all your feedback from our po- our uh, broadcast last night. I-, I can't even think straight. We were on the air for seven, eight hours straight. Um, you know, You know, it's not my thing. I love the medium of writing. I love audio. I can't stand video. I got a face for for audio. I hate video. Um, so I was really thrown off my game because I couldn't even get to combing through the data until two at night. And then I had to write my piece to file it. So I have not slept. Um, but, but you know, j- just in case you hear throughout this broadcast, the next couple, some of my writings, oh, so now you're, you're a Trump fan. Again, it's not like that. Um, the reality is womanizing is not 
moral. Um, you know, objectifying women, it, it, that's a problem. Being for some of the liberal positions he was for was a problem. We were right to be concerned. Has that all of a sudden changed? No. Um, the fact that the last couple of weeks we were saying the Republican Party is irremediably broken. Has, uh, have, have all these congressmen and senators changed? No. They're the same thing. But the one thing you can't deny is that there is a reset button here. There is a major opportunity. I, I am still very skeptical that they could harness it, but I, I, I think we have an obligation to see this through and say, hey, all right, Trump, all right, Republicans in Congress, here's the opportunity. Here's what we can do together. It's just because it's such an unbelievable opportunity, you got to take the lemons and make the lemonade out of what you're what you're given to just stomp our feet and say never Trump now. I mean, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do. It's, it's not going to get us anywhere. I, I still believe in my heart of hearts the Republican Party will never serve in the long run as a home for conservatism. I still believe one day we will need a new party, but it's obviously not going to happen now. And obviously now there is a very big mandate and I want to discuss that there is a big opportunity. So I, I want to I want to comb through some of this data. And again, I apologize if I'm all over the place. Literally have not slept in, you know, really a good night's sleep in two nights, but certainly uh, the entire night last night. So again, what what happened in this election? One data point that stuck out to me beyond everything is the exit polling numbers on the unfavorabilities of the candidates. Hillary's unfaves checked in at 54%. 54% of the electorate viewed her as unfavorable. What about Trump? 60% viewed him as unfavorable. So it's astounding that the guy with the lower faves, faves actually won, and then that it was 60%. Usually if your unfaves are higher than 48 to 50, you're done. I mean, because otherwise, why would you vote for the person? I don't say this to dump on his win. I say this to demonstrate what a big mandate we have for the conservative policies that people want. People, What it tells you is people voted for an outcome, not a person. They wanted – this was these were the options, the binary choice. They wanted an end to the era of Obama. They want this stuff reversed. They want Obamacare gone. They want the refugee resettlement to stop. They want the debt to stop. They want all this stuff to stop. They want the social transformation to stop. They certainly don't want the courts to destroy us. So it's very clear to me that the fact that he had this much baggage, the fact that he's viewed no candidate, no major party candidate had such high negatives, much less the winner of an election, yet he still won. Because they voted for that outcome. It's precisely because of people didn't vote for him because of the baggage. They didn't vote for him because of the 3 a.m. crazy tweeting online. They didn't vote for him because of, you know, a, a lot of the immoral things he's done throughout his life. They voted for him because of a some of the 30,000 foot messaging, which, by the way, is a triumph of, of our messaging here at Conservative Review. You know, I'm proud to be one of the people to pioneer this issue this concern of you know mass migration from the from the middle east he ran on that unambiguously from day one that that was one issue he's pretty consistent on and and it worked you know, you know they called us all racist but the majority of the country doesn't want to turn america into the middle east illegal immigration in general there's a lot to say on that 
But but those issues loomed very large, and that is the mandate that Trump has to deal with that. Republicans won. I I mean, let me just try to give an analogy. I always get back to football to describe uh, what happened here. Democrats had first and goal at the one-yard line, and they couldn't get in the end zone. In fact, they almost went backwards. Republicans had 54 seats. I mean, this was the worst Senate map ever, ever. Republicans only put one Democrat seat into play. Democrats put as many as eight Republican seats into play. They only picked off one. Now, Kelly Ayotte is kind of even in New Hampshire. Ballots are being ca- uh, counted. Now, she's she's a rhino. I mean, I have no, I just don't care if she wins. But it looks like they might have 53 seats. They're going to maintain almost all their House seats. Solid majority. And here's the key. We've been talking about this. And I know I made a big deal about pushing back in the states if Hillary were to win. But I believe that same thing applies if Trump wins. We're going to talk about that in the coming days. But Republicans won the most governors. I believe it's going to be 33, the most governors since 1922. And they have maintained their state legislative majority. So there's six, there's 98 chambers, 98 legislative chambers in this country. They came in to the night with 68. And everyone thought, even if they have a good night, they're going to lose some because that was the high watermark, especially in a presidential year. You're going to lose some. You might get some back in an off year with lower Democrat turnout. But they actually lost one, but they gained two. So on net, they netted one. They're going to have 69, more than two-thirds of the state legislative bodies, and they actually added three trifectas because they won the state house in Kentucky. They won the state senate in Iowa. And those already have Republican governors and other legislative branches. So you have the three branches. And in Missouri, where they already had supermajorities in the state legislatures, they always had a Democrat governor. Now they elected a Republican governor. I believe they're going to have 26 states where they control all three branches. Democrats will have maybe six or so. There's a lot that can be done if the Republican Party presses a reset button and learns their lessons. A lot can be done. This was a mandate in that respect. It was a mandate that people don't want this radical agenda. When I say people, I mean, again, Democrats, because of the demographics, they have a high floor of support. So you're never going to see a massive blowout. This wasn't a blowout. It was actually a very narrow presidential victory, but it was the best you could hope for in the Electoral College given the demographics. So this is a very big mandate. Don't forget, this is not a mandate for the establishment to do what they're doing. And it's not a mandate for Trump to do some of his crazy stuff. It's a mandate for conservatism. I have an article I will put in the show notes. This is my first salvo on the opportunity before us and a conservative mandate if we can keep it. This is the problem. We always, whenever we win elections, we think it's all over. We won. Let's go home and celebrate. But no, the work begins today. The work begins the day after. That's when you got to hold them accountable. That's when you got to ensure they, they put the right people in the administration, that they're following the right message, that we can make the right plays. This is what I'm excited about. I'm excited about, for the first time in my career, the opportunity to take my policy knowledge, my legislative knowledge, and actually govern in, in, in a proper constitutional way. We have 
dozens of ideas. We're going to be putting them out, what we think are the top ideas, but certainly refugees and Obamacare, religious liberty, that's going to loom very large. And I go through a checklist of some immediate things on this post. A lot of There's a lot of other good ideas that we need to focus on. Tweet, tweet at me what, what you think we should be focusing on. We should be holding them accountable. But again, does it mean, oh man, Trump's the man because he won? Let me make it very clear. Just because you win an election doesn't approve the veracity of, of your views or, or the integrity of your character. The fact that Obama won, the fact that he was reelected, gives no more credence to anything he believes, anything he stands for, anything he's about. But again, it is what it is. He did win. This is the opportunity we have. Y you know, I, I could only hope and pray that the enormity of, of this office will humble him and he will ask God for forgiveness and he'll change his ways and he'll pray and 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 he'll you know learn from the past. Obviously, his acceptance speech certainly was struck the right tone, at least publicly, and that's a start. It's about us. It's humility. Um, you know, and and that that's where it needs to go. That's where we need to go as conservatives. We, we need to. I I just we cannot squander this opportunity. Look, there's a big part of me that believes between Trump and between some of the idiots he'll appoint and uh, between the existing structure, which most of these, like I said, I mean, it's the same. Believe me, I have not changed within a week or two when I said last this is the wor worst crop of Senate candidates ever. It is. Um, I, I think there's a very high likelihood they will not learn their, their lesson. And this is, this is what I want to warn people. If we don't learn our lesson and we don't govern in a very specific conservative way that you could properly message in a, in, 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 a, in, in a way that harnesses humility and focuses on liberty, individual liberty, property rights, religious liberty, giving power back, devolving power, not being a strongman, not being authoritarian. Um, that, is, that is a recipe for success. But I'm just telling you, don't think that, oh, they got crushed. They're done. They're done. Look look at what's happening. They're done. Um, we, we, we do this all the time for the same reasons why there was a part of me that saw a lot of opportunity with Hillary winning. There's a lot of potential pitfalls with Trump and Republicans winning. You got to look at this in a four, six, eight-year totality, You know, not just one year, one election, uh, because often winning an election is our downfall. Keep in mind that... Democrats still overperformed in Georgia and Arizona. The, the popular vote is going to be roughly even, pretty pretty close um, in my mind. Uh, maybe Trump will be a little bit ahead. Maybe Hillary will be a little ahead. I, I'm not – I don't have a grasp on that, how many absentee ballots from states like California have been cast. But the polarization's there. I'm just saying we have not gotten rid of that. And – we got very – a lot of things came together. Number one, Hillary is the worst candidate in the history of the country. You know, I mean just the corruption, the nurse ratchet persona being around for three decades and just she's been, she's, she's been hated. Um, you know, on a macro level, I said this on our broadcast last night. Democrats have never successfully served two long full terms and then successfully handed off the presidency to another member of their own party. 
people want change, and especially after such a radical polarizing president, um, the macro climate was against them. Obamacare is is, is a unusual factor. People having to pay a whole nother mortgage um, for uh, health insurance. You know the 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 security and terrorism loom large in the in the exit polling. It's very very important. These are all tailwinds that if Republicans now own it and and control every facet of state and federal government now, and and they squander it, and Democrats come back with fresher faces, they'll be just as radical, but they'll hide it. And a fresher face, you know, four years later for president, they still have the demographic time bomb that did not go away. You know, the black turnout was down just enough in the right states where you had record blue collar white turnout that were able to overcome it. Just, you know, Florida, North Carolina were just narrow. I mean, even despite the amazing victory, keep in mind, you know, if if this demographic time bomb continues, and that's why I, I, my book, Stolen Sovereignty, is now more relevant than I ever thought. I wrote this book with the assumption a Republican would win a year ago. Now, I didn't think it would be Trump. But um, we're going to have to take care of immigration, you know, birthright citizenship, counting illegals in the census. Um, we're going to have to have a cool off because I'm just telling you an, another little bit. And, and Florida and North Carolina will go the way of many other states. And so even if you win the Rust Belt, it's not going to be enough. You know, we're, we're, we're rapidly losing that. So that that did not go away. This was a very narrow win that that. It, it tipped enough, one, one and a half percent in many, many states. It could have easily gone the other way. And that's with all of the mitigating factors against the Democrats here. Now, on the other hand, I do think that there's opportunity for Republicans to grow because you, you could still win the white working class vote the way Trump did, but not lose the white college educated vote the way we did because of some of the gratuitous personality problems. I think I always joke around. Some of Trump's messaging and perception embodied through a character of Mike Pence would have been the perfect storm. And I think you could have won Colorado and Virginia with a candidate like that. And I think in the future, that is a good blueprint. But I'm just saying that is very tenuous. We did not slay the beast. And we're going to have to do the right things in order to to get back on track. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. They're going to come back with a bigger mandate and they're going to win all these governorships in two years from now. Those governors will control redistricting for the next census. So that's something to keep in mind. There's an imperative to act. There's an opportunity to act, as we always say. Two other points I want to make, and I'm going to make them in in subsequent articles as well. To me, I feel vindication on the electoral argument of immigration. I, I... I struggled with so many of the establishment people. I fought them on this point during the Gang of Eight fight. Right after the 2012 election, they said, boom, Mitt Romney lost because he was too tough on immigration, which is ridiculous. He pandered a little bit during the primary to conservatives, and then he refused to touch it in the general. In fact, Obama implemented DACA, the first executive amnesty, in the middle of the general election. He said nothing. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I, I had a prominent political scientist very you guys would know him i can't you know breach the confidence here but we had a conversation through email during the gang of eight fight and i knew this guy by the way he's very good on the numbers he's a very intellectual honest political scientist but i knew on the policy he was kind of you know to the left of me on immigration but i said look when it comes to the, the electoral argument come on you you agree with, you agree with me this is a total crock 
And he said, absolutely. The problem with Mitt Romney is not that he was too tough on immigration. It was that Obama was able to drive up his demographics in the Hispanic areas, but Romney didn't go into Youngstown, Ohio and run the other way on the issue. And I always had a theory with the Hispanic vote, and I said, here's the deal. We get between 25 and 30% of the Hispanic vote. You're never going to get more fundamentally, not because of immigration, because of every other reason why ethnic minorities vote Democrat. They shouldn't vote for them, but they do. It, a lot of it's the economic issues. It's party identification. It doesn't matter. I mean, John McCain was the biggest open borders Republican. He only did a couple points better. You're, you're not going to get them. To the extent you have the 25% or so, you're not going to lose it just because of immigration. Because those are the people that, despite being part of a group that is predominantly liberal, they punch through and say, no, we're, we're different. We, we're, we're conservative. Are, are there some that might not like our stance on immigration? Yeah. But are they going to jump ship for every other issue? No. So I believe we are not losing any voters we haven't already lost, for the most part, among Hispanics. But then on the other side of the ledger, how many white voters and native voters are you gaining just on that issue? And I think this election proves that. White working class, and I would say white college educated too. It's just because Trump has so many other problems. He didn't lose them because of his immigration stance. He left the, he lost them because of his his character. You know, and people are scared of him. So, what I, when I felt vindicated was when the exit polling came in and showed that Trump got twenty nine percent of the Hispanic vote. Romney got twenty seven. So if anything, he improved a little bit. And by the way, another lost factor here, and I'm still kind of researching this, uh, Johnson, Gary Johnson, the libertarian candidate, really did in Hillary Clinton. Usually the libertarian is viewed as taking away votes from conservatives. Uh, but in this case, he was such a liberal libertarian, he really took away a lot from Hillary Clinton. And that, that I think, made the difference in some of the very close states, because you're seeing that although with um, young voters and with, with Hispanics in particular, um, Trump tracked about where Romney did, but A, the composition of the pie, at least with younger voters, not so much with Hispanics, the composition of the pie was smaller, so they com comprised the smaller share of the electorate. And also, Hillary's numbers were down. So it was like, well, how are Hillary's numbers down? But Trump's didn't really go up that much. It was about the same, which was a victory. And that's because Gary Johnson took away from them. A lot of Latinos and Young voters voted for Gary Johnson, so that was a big part of it here. But anyway, this should once and for all put to rest the electoral argument over sovereignty. So that, that is a vindication. Now, I want to get to the other half of my book. Half of it was on immigration. The other half, parts of it were on religious liberty, but the other half was on uh, the judiciary. You know what I'm going to tell you? I, I said this last time when I thought Hillary was going to win, but the same applies if Trump's going to win. A lot of people think, by golly, we saved the courts. We saved the courts. Uh, no, you didn't. You know, it's definitely better than if Hillary wins. But again, let me just summarize. Antonin Scalia, when he was alive, with him on the court, said the court is more liberal than it ever was. 
There's at least a five to four liberal majority. They have five seats. Anthony Kennedy is with them on every important issue. And John Roberts is unreliable. So just because you fill Scalia's seat, you just get us back to the Obergefell court, the affirmative action court, the the Hellerstadt abortion case court. I mean, I can go on and on with Anthony Kennedy screwing us. You would need another vacancy. And I could tell you this much. They will not retire willingly. Anthony Kennedy will not retire. Look, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I hate to talk like this, but she could die. It's very possible, um, but it's very possible she won't, and she will not retire on her own. So hold that thought. Add to that the lower courts. I say this all the time. The lower courts decide 99% of the cases. The lower courts are irremediably broken. You would need 12 years straight of GOP governance and a perfect record. And there's, again, back to my, read my article, 12 reasons I give why you're not going to fix the courts conventionally. So what's going to happen? We, we, we have this false sense of security. We feel like we got it. And immediately, we're going to lose every case in the courts before we get a chance to flush out the system. Again, it's going to take at least a few years to, to change the courts. Especially the lower courts, it's really going to change just based on the demographics, based on the age, the on which circuit. The votes aren't there for us, and I, I'm warning you. This is a very important point. I haven't heard anyone make this, but it needs to be made. I'm going to be making it to congressmen. I'm going to be making it to anyone working in the Trump administration, friends of mine that will likely be in the administration. You you got to understand with Republicans in charge of the House, the Senate the White House, and probably the strongest lock on state governments since any time after the Civil War. You know where they're going to head, the courts. It's going to be even worse than it's now because, again, to a certain extent, the Democrats are in power now. So they're not always on – Democrats aren't always on offense in the courts. Sometimes they're on defense. Sometimes our guys are suing them. In this case – now, Republicans could totally bust and not do anything good on the state or federal level, but let's say they do what we want to a certain extent. States do righteous stuff on election law, on immigration enforcement, on – this is what I warned about in my book, Read Stolen Sovereignty. Get it on Amazon.com. Shameless plug there. But uh, religious liberty, I'm telling you, they, they have the ability to get the stuff in the, in the lower courts within days and get an injunction within weeks. And they're going to win most of the time. We don't have the votes on most of these issues. So I'm not saying you don't appoint the best guys you can. But I'm saying that is not what it's all about. And and this is a a once-in-a-generation opportunity to finally push judicial review. Strip the federal courts of jurisdiction over many of these issues and give it to the states or at least the lower courts. Or I have another idea. You could set the quorum for judicial review in order to overturn a state statute. You, a two-to-one majority on this on an appellate court won't work. You need 3-0. You need the full panel and bunk. You need a 7-2 majority on the Supreme Court. Right? These are the things we could, we could say. And this is part of, again, a federalism thing. This is another point I brought up in my piece. We don't have enough time to get into it in detail, but I think a very good strategy for Trump is to focus on federalism, focus on devolving power to the states. This will give him the the political clout 
to be strong on national security, to be strong on immigration and deportation, sovereignty, but without looking like an authoritarian because he'll all be about liberty. He'll be all about liberty on domestic issues. He'll devolve the power to the states, devolve the judicial power to the state courts. This is what we need to do. So anyway, a lot going on. I hope this was insightful, both from you know a blueprint perspective, from a conscience perspective. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen with this country with the polarization. So you better go out, go to prepare, preparewithcr.com, get your provisions from Patriot Depot. They're selling 140 meals for 99 bucks. You want to be prepared. I don't know if we're going to enter a civil war in this country, but make sure you have that. And by the way, make sure you switch over your mobile phone plan to Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com. Issue promo code Daniel to waive the activation fee. I'm telling you, do not give to those who funded Hillary Clinton's campaign, funded the Democrats. Unfortunately, most of the main providers did do that. Patriot Mobile will give money to your favorite conservative group. And these conservative groups are going to be very important in the coming days and weeks to hold this administration accountable. Here's the key. I'm not saying things have changed in terms of Republicans, in terms of Trump. I'm saying we have a major opportunity. This is what we've been dealt with. We can't hope for change like the left. We have to ensure that it happens. Let's pray together that this works out well. Let's work together. Let's get to work. I can't wait to to work together with all you on some ideas. Please send me your ideas, short-term, long-term. I got to run. We're out of time. I got to get some sleep, folks. This has been so much fun. Without further ado, this has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.